The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome in, everybody, to the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast. We are in for a big show today, presented by Hoop Ball Celtics. You know, this is your host, Patrick Lounsbury. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoop Ball Celtics or follow me on Twitter at Ballin Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S. Got a lot to cover as the Celtics have had a lot happen these last few days. I was going to make a show, but then um, some news dropped about the Danny Ainge situation. Brad Stevens steps in a new role. So I kind of wanted some to go into some more research here on some of these coaches that are a possibility and kind of let some of that simmer in my mind before I came to you guys with the show. So we'll be going over that last game with the Brooklyn Nets as the Celtics season ends for them and and they they end up losing to the Brooklyn Nets in five games unfortunately they lost 123 to 109 and you know we're just going to cover some of that we'll we'll go over to my reaction and how I feel and now how I feel about how the Celtics did all these crazy moves of uh Danny Ainge uh resigning and and then you have Brad Steven moving into uh, the GM position and now we're on a coach search for the new head coach of the Boston Celtics so all that on today's episode please wherever you are listening to this show if you can just like subscribe and leave a review you can say whatever you want in that review just kind of keep it non-profanity um but i'd appreciate any and all that and so let's just jump into it man um so right out the right out the gate in that last game the celtics were attacking the rim early as they started on a you know solid four or five from the field turnovers you know turning into easy points for brooklyn unfortunately and Romeo was having a good start in that first quarter on both ends of the court. Uh, Boston started the game 7-17, but Brooklyn started 7-12. You know, it's just we got more shots, but Brooklyn was capitalizing and being more efficient on their shots. So it wasn't really a matter. The Celtics were going to need to have some stops to pull away at all in this game. Unfortunately, it was very hard for them to string some stops together because this Brooklyn Nets team is very good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, obviously you got Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all elite in their own respective ways. Um, Durant is just on a mission, man. This guy has not lost a step since, uh, his injuries and, you know, he's 32 years old right now and he's still trucking, man. He's still looking like a top, top five player in the league and, and super efficient shoots right over the top of guys, has no worries in his mind. And he's been really impressive. This, however, was not a very good game for Marcus Smart. Boston was able to stay in it despite him starting 0-5 from deep, but the shots the shots were good from Marcus Smart. They just weren't falling, and that's just how it is sometimes. You know, if they're going to leave him open, you want him to shoot when he's open. I understand a lot of people don't like when Marcus Smart shoots because a lot of times they're heat checks and unwarranted and shot contested and, and wild shots, but these were pretty controlled open solid looks feet set good form it just they weren't dropping tonight and that's something that you know it's it it happens even to the best shooters you know you're gonna have off nights unfortunately this night was was gonna be marcus smart's off night and you have to just understand it like you're not gonna have great shooting nights all the time it's just it is what it is at the end of the day but you know marcus smart 
did his best. I, I thought he I thought he did a good job at taking good looks. It just they weren't dropping for him. He shot one of ten from deep on the night. He only had fourteen points, five of seventeen from the field total. So overall, just a, just a really really bad night for him. Um, Nets were getting into the flow of things offensively, and Boston was going cold there in that first quarter. So the Nets ended up stretching that lead out thirty one to twenty four. So despite that sh- poor shooting from the Celtics, they were still within uh, a grasp, you know, solid seven points. But with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, seven points can turn into twenty point lead in a in a flip of a switch. Uh, all it takes is a a one and a half minute run for them to really turn it up, and and they could definitely do that with the offensive power that they have. Tatum seems to have been getting looked at as he's uh, he was in some pain there in that second quarter. He was holding his right knee, then he went um, back and was on the bench and then he was like looking at his left foot uh just overall not good it was really concerning tatum ended up walking back and checking in with eight minutes left in that second quarter but you know you, you gotta give credit tatum toughing it out he ended up still playing 41 minutes in the game definitely see mike he had some type of injuries bothering him uh especially in the lower body but he toughed it out man he, he still shot 12 of 27 from the field a total of 32 points on the night, nine rebounds, five assists. Still had a really solid game and played really nicely. Um, what's it called? Uh, Payne Pritchard, man. He he was playing really good in that second quarter. I thought Pritchard was was getting people involved. He was grabbing boards. He had a nice three pointer. He was just he was being solid. He was everywhere on the floor. He was being a little pest. Stuff we like to see. He played the most minutes tonight off the bench with 18. So. The Celtics uh, were fighting hard, man. They were only trailing six points with six minutes and 20 seconds left in that second quarter and ended up leading to a Brooklyn lead uh, by eight going into the half, 59-51. to 51. And the Celtics, you know, at that point, they should have felt really good. And the reason I say that they should have felt really good is because Celtics, they were shooting 23.1% from deep. They were 6 of 26 from the three-point line. Romeo came in, uh, ended up coming out of that half and uh, with a with a three point make and a block on Harden and and this kid really just shows flashes, man. I, I really like Romeo Langford and his potential. Um, a lot of people have lost their faith on him, but my thing is is that he each off season he's been rehabbing, so I'm excited for him to go into this off season and sorry this off season and work on his game rather than working on a rehab from injury allow him to you know work on some tools you know really sharpen up his shooting form get his ability to learn the playbook a little bit more get some more run in get in better condition um that's something that i think is going to be very beneficial for a lot of the young guys on this team like um you know unfortunately jalen brown is going to be rehabbing most of his uh most of his summer but a lot of these guys came out of this healthy, and I'm hoping they can just instead of rehabbing, they're they're more so just working on their game, and it, and that allows them to have that next level. I'm expecting guys like Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, all to benefit, you know, from a non-quick turnaround. Like the next season doesn't start until October for these guys, so they literally have a solid four months to get back into a rhythm of things you know get work on a lot of stuff in those four months feel better about themselves and and implement that going into the next season um 
what's it called? Brooklyn went on a 7-0 run and pushed it to 12-point lead with 9:15 left in the third. Celtics ended up weathering that storm briefly and cut it within seven points with 5:21 left in that third. And then Tatum finished that quarter with a buzzer beater to end the third, and Boston only trailed Brooklyn by a total of seven points. It was 86 to 79. Celtics were were in it. They just needed to find a way not to foul too much in that fourth. That's something they need to be a lot better at um, as far as that goes. And uh, I thought they were going to be... Well, I'm sorry about that. Well, one of the things, too, I also thought was that Brooklyn here um, was just doing a good job of just hitting their shots and everything. And it was very interesting because Tatum sat to start that fourth quarter in some very important minutes for Boston. And Celtics were making a, a good push with, with Tatum on the bench, you know. And Brooklyn re- ended up responding back with um, some back-to-back threes that ultimately later in that fourth quarter put that lead with out of out of reach for the Celtics. And, and Brooklyn ended up waking up really much in the fourth quarter. It was almost like they were kind of like cruising, walking a little bit, you know, light jog in, in the first three quarters. And then they just went full sprint in the fourth. And it, it just... They cruised away. They cruised away, and Brooklyn ends up going into that second round, beating the Boston Celtics 123-109. to It was just a good overall game from Kevin Durant, who was 8 of 16 from the field, 24 points. James Harden was fantastic. He had a triple-double. He was 10 of 17 from the field, 34 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, getting everything he wanted. Kyrie Irving, 25 points on 9 of 14. That's really efficient shooting that's hard to beat. Uh, he's only missing five shots, so it, it's just it was hard, man. The Brooklyn shot fifty-one point two percent from the field, forty-six percent from deep, and and they come away with a victory. That's that's how the cookie crumbled. And uh, you know, props out to Brooklyn. They're a very talented team, and uh, there's a reason why that they're one of the favorites to go to the NBA Finals. They do have a very tough matchup ahead of them against the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'll be definitely tuning in and watching how that series goes because. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, NBA basketball, and I, I'd love to see how that series ends up unraveling. And overall season from the Celtics, you know, injury-riddled season was very uh, a weird one, quick turnaround. I know people don't want to hear it. They always go, those are excuses, excuses. This is just reality. This is what happened. And uh, I'm hoping that the Celtics are able to bounce back. And then um, a day or two after uh, that game, we get the announcement that Danny Ainge was deciding to step down as the Celtics GM. And when I heard this, I was like, wait, what, what's going on? And I was super confused, you know, and I understand that there's a lot of people out there that are happy that Danny Ainge is no longer going to be the GM for some reason. They, they believe he's such a, a bad GM, but I just want to let you guys know, under Danny Ainge, the Celtics have reached the playoffs 15 times in the last 18 years that he's been there, with seven trips to the Eastern Conference Finals, two league finals, and one championship in 08. Since the 2007-2008 season, Boston has won more playoff games than any other team in the NBA. Danny Ainge has been doing a great job, a great job at since he's been in Boston, and I don't understand the hate on him. It's it's going to be a big loss for the Celtics. But then the news came that Danny Ainge was getting replaced by Brad Stevens. So the reason that I felt kind of like, oh, man, like this is really bad, 
is not only did we just lose our GM, but we just lost our coach. Yeah, we still have Brad Stevens, and he's going into a new role, but he's not the coach anymore. So now that's another position we got to fill. So you just lost a GM. You just lost a coach in the same year, and you have your 23-year-old, 24-year-old all-stars on the roster. You got a lot of work to do. You got a lot of work to do. This is going to be a handful for Brad Stevens, who is going to have his first time, first crack at a GM position. And it's going to be very interesting in which direction he decides to go. I I truly believe that um, I trust in what Brad Stevens uh, looks for. Apparently, after hearing some of the press conferences and stuff, there's been times where Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens haven't fully agreed on how to build the team. And so now Brad Stevens steps in that role and, and gets the opportunity to be like, I get to build the team how I want to build it. So I'm going to be very interested on, on seeing how what type of pieces he decides to put around uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But one thing's for sure, uh, the first thing that they got to address is a coach, but I don't think they need to rush it. I think they could be patient and be thorough with the process. Because the Celtics have a lot of um, intriguingness to the franchise, so the coaches are going to want to coach there. They don't have to. They don't have to convince a coach to coach there. The coaches want to coach there because you got Jason Tatum, who's a 23-year-old, future maybe top top five player in the league potentially. You have Jalen Brown, who's easily like going to be a top 25 player in the NBA. And you have all your future first-round draft picks. <coughs> it's a historic franchise, everything like that. So it's just going to be very interesting on to see the process and see who Brad Stevens ends up deciding to go with as a coach. Um, I wonder if he's going to go internal. I wonder if he's going to go external. Like we don't, we're not 100% sure. Some names I will I will address that have been circulated around the situation. One of them that comes to mind is Jason Kidd. He currently is the Lakers' assistant coach. He has had some head coaching experience. Um, you know, he also was in the NBA. He, he played. Um, he led the league in assists during five of his 21 seasons. He was has plenty of coaching experience as well. Um, he was. He's on Frank Vogel's staff with the Lakers, and before that, he was in charge of the Nets and and the Bucks for five seasons uh, between the two. Overall, you know. Jason Kidd has not had a 500 record as a coach. I'm not really interested in in Jason Kidd personally. He, I just, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I don't understand the hype around Jason Kidd. He's also had a bad personal uh, record um, outside of basketball. Not, I just, I don't, I don't want the distractions. He, he didn't show great um, stuff to me as a coach. And he didn't show great stuff to me as a person, and I just don't think he's fit for the position uh, personally. But uh, they will be interviewing Jason Kidd. Another name that came up was Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce of the Hawks, uh, most recently was a coach of the Hawks uh, candidate. Who, I mean. He's, he's in the running for the Boston coaching job. He has a much different resume than uh, Jason Kidd does as he's had just four years playing career and never made it to the NBA. So, however, Pierce did find his niche in the player development with the Cavaliers. He was with them for three seasons. He would work with the Warriors, Grizzlies, Sixers, helped young players find their footing and earn roles in the NBA. Most notably with the Sixers, he was part of the staff that developed Joel Embiid. So, 
Philly, Pierce uh, started to play more of a role on defense during his later years, so he's a defensive-minded coach, you know. And uh, he was a part of the the two-year tenured in, in Atlanta. Uh, wasn't a great two years. I believe he went like 63 and like 100 and something. But he's only 45 years old and had a strong report with the players and coaches there. The ownership group just wanted to see whether Nate McMillan would uh, could catalyze the overachieving Hawks, which he did. And um, Pierce may be a good fit for the Celtics as he could help develop the large part group of young talent on this team, including Tatum Brown, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo, Grant Williams, Aaron Emis, um, Robert Williams. That could give a leg up on the competition, provide that Stevens believes that Pierce's poor record with the Hawks was a fluke, you know. Um, but once again, not not my most enticing person, but uh, he's definitely an upgrade personally for me over Jason Kidd. Then we have another one that's my personal favorite, and I really, really, really hope that uh, we go this route. But it will be very interesting. I think we would have to pry her away is Becky Hammond. The Spurs assistant coach, uh, she has no head coaching experience yet, but she's very well respected and a great basketball mind. I know that her day is coming very soon for that head coaching position. My thing is just, uh, is she going to stick with the the Spurs? You know, I mean, she's been groomed under Greg Popovich for a long time and it seems like that they're pretty interested in her just to kind of go into that role and, and take over after Pop. So, you know, Brad Stevens has, has been mentioned, uh, Becky, um, stating he, that Becky obviously is a terrific candidate. I don't know her well, but I know what people think about her. I know how well she's respected all across the league by players and coaches. Um, so that Brad Stevens is aware of her. He just doesn't know her personally. So uh, maybe we can get her in, get her an interview going and and see what uh what goes from there so uh, it does seem like uh hammond is someone stevens would at least be interested in interviewing for the job she had a very successful WNBA career has learned from one of the best in the business at greg popovich so uh she seems like a sensible target for this uh celtics team that's missing a head coach we'll be very interested in that one uh another name that came up was sam castle uh sixers assistant coach and he doesn't have any head coaching experience but castle uh was a key reserve on the celtics championship winning team in 08 remained uh with the organization until he was traded during the 08-09 season almost immediately after retiring in 09 he joined the coaching staff of flip sanders with the wizards there he got his feet wet for a handful of years before eventually moving on i mean in 2014 castle joined doc rivers coaching staff with the clippers since then he's served as an assistant on Rivers staff and uh, has established himself as a solid well-respected coach if the celtics want to pluck someone from rivers coaching tree castle would be a logical choice he has experience in boston and was beloved in the locker room throughout his career. And hey, the teams he has helped, Rivers coach, ha- haven't been bad either. You know, not not saying that they've they've achieved anything or done anything great, but um, a very interesting choice would be Sam Castle. How I feel about Sam Castle is I, I got to do a little bit more research on him and uh, figure out how his mo- basketball mind works and how much influence he has as far as uh, the coaching goes out in the under doc rivers so uh and then another one comes up uh a lot of people like this name uh great player in the nba chauncey billups he's the current uh clippers assistant coach he has no head uh no head coaching experience though billups was actually drafted by the celtics back in 97 before 
um, impatient. Rick Pitino traded him away during his rookie season. I know Billups had some things off the court going on at that time. Ended up playing on seven different teams during his NBA career and was a five-time All-Star. Was the Finals MVP during that 2004 season when he was with the Pistons. The bad boy Pistons, man, with Ben Wallace and all of them. What a great team that was. Ooh. Billups doesn't have much coaching experience. In fact, he is just his first year as an assistant to Tyron Lue with the Clippers. However, he was considered to be a sharp basketball mind. He just took the media route before getting into coaching. So it is too early for us to go into Billups and get consideration as a head coach. Mm, you know, that's debatable. You know, he has he has the mind. That's that's what I care more. I understand people are like, he doesn't have the experience. Well, how do you get experience? By, by doing it, right? So if you don't get that chance, then it... it you'll never get the experience and it really has more to do with a basketball mind for me more than anything about uh experience and i'm, I'm kind of intrigued with the billups uh mesh you know that it, it'll be interesting to see if we go that route um he is a player coach and uh you know i'm i i would be more for that than to the jason kidd i, I know I'm, I'm bashing jason kidd in this but i'm really hoping to steer jason kidd away from the celtics i don't want him anywhere near the celtics um a couple other names here i'll round off is uh kenny atkinson's he's a clipper assistant coach uh jawan howard who's the michigan head coach right now has some experience out there just those last two names there uh throwing those out a little bit very interesting choices uh i do like Jawan howard a lot i think he's very respectable i, th I think he uh he also was a respected assistant under Eric Spolstra, who I think Eric Spolstra is a top five coach in the league, a very elite, elite coach. Uh, and uh, I would love if we were able to pull Jawan Howard. I don't know if Jawan Howard is looking to leave Michigan because he just got there. But if he is to if he is to have an opportunity to coach at the NBA level and he, he wants to take the opportunity, I'd be more than happy for him to, to try out with the Boston Celtics. I think he'd be a great coach for the type of players we have on the roster currently. I think he would help Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown extend to a new level and really ultimately give us a, a new feel in the locker room, a new uh, profound of respect in the locker room. So... Very intriguing stuff here, guys. We'll be monitoring the situation a lot. Uh, we are going into the off season, but that does not mean that the shows stop. It just means that we won't be doing as many shows as often. We will um, definitely um, talk a lot uh, when the news breaks and everything like that. You can also find me on Twitter. Ask me any questions or anything in those regards. I'm also on the Locker Room app a bunch. Um, I sometimes even hop on a clubhouse app a lot just to talk some sports with people, you know, pick people's minds and everything like that, answer questions. So, but yeah, guys, we're, we're going to end it here. We're, we're waiting on these, this news. We're seeing the new direction of the Celtics team. Uh, be very interesting. I don't think things are falling apart. Uh, this is just going to be a very crucial moment. You know, there's a make or break it for Brad Stevens. He's going to have a year or two to have leeway. And then, if stuff doesn't look good after two years, he's going to have that leash really short. And I'm sure the fire is going to be burning on that seat. And uh, all eyes are going to be on Jason Tatum's future. If uh, the Celtics aren't able to put a stable situation around him, 
And so this is a very crucial moment for this organization. But uh, it will be something we will be monitoring a lot this offseason. I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about it. And, yeah, uh, well, thank you guys so much for stopping by here at the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast. My name is Patrick Lounsbury again. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. I appreciate you guys for stopping by. And uh, go ahead and give us a like and subscribe and uh, hit us up on Twitter for any of your guys' Celtics needs. All right, guys? Well, have a good one. Later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.